Hey, it's Doug Birch, and you're listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. You know, there's two really powerful images the Bible uses to describe the church. One is the church is referred to as the body of Christ. Another is the church is called the temple of God. These images have a powerful force in determining how we live our lives, how we focus our energies, and in how we grow as Christians. On today's show, we're going to look at the importance of understanding that we are the temple of God and the body of Christ. Stay tuned. They say that I cannot do what you've called me to. It is not possible, unattainable. I will never see it through. Another episode of the Fairly Spiritual Show. I am so glad you could join us. For those of you who are regular listeners, yay for regularity. Oh, that that didn't sound right. But, you know, yay for regularity on all fronts. Hey, great way to start, Doug. Uh, So a couple things. On today's show, we're going to talk about some things that I think are really important when it comes to understanding why we gather as the body of Christ, why community is so central. We're going to look at being the body of Christ, being uh, also the temple of God. But before we get into those topics, one, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but the show's a little brighter today. Did you notice that? It's a little less dull. Uh, In the room that I'm doing this uh, podcast, uh, I have new lighting, and uh, as you can tell, it's much brighter in here, so I hope you're enjoying that. Uh, Another thing is, uh, if you love this podcast, if you love what I'm doing, I need some fans out there who are willing to promote things. Yes, I need some promotion. Uh, I'm not doing this for money. I'm not doing it for fame. But I am doing it to influence uh, the world for the better. A couple ways that you can promote what we're doing. One, can you share the show? Uh, Share the Fairly Spiritual Show. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can uh, subscribe uh, to uh, find post at fairlyspiritual.org. That's my website, fairlyspiritual.org. Or you can go to iTunes and subscribe uh, to the Fairly Spiritual Show. Uh, Get the word out. Uh, Share on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, I don't know how to use Pinterest, but if there's a way to do that, you can do that. LinkedIn, uh, I made a mistake of signing up for that years ago. I guess there's a way to do that as well. But I'd love for you to share that. Another way is the last, um, well, I don't know, six, seven shows, actually more, eight shows, I've been going through my book, The Community of God. Every podcast is based on a chapter of The Community of God. And I would love it if you would buy this book. Uh, again, I'm not an 
I didn't become an author to make a lot of money. In fact, not even to make money. I'm just trying to break even here. But again, that's not the goal. The goal is I want to get this stuff out there. That's one of the reasons I'm even doing this podcast. This is free. I'm, I'm talking about the chapters, giving information to people. Uh, some of the stuff I talk about in the podcast is not in the book. Uh, much more is in the book that I don't talk about in this show. But really, the, if you're saying, I like what Doug's doing, I want to encourage him, I'm just going to be honest here. A great encouragement would be to buy this book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor, and then to share it with others as well. Uh, you can get it through my website, fairlyspiritual.org, or you can get it through Amazon. Uh, people have asked which is the better way. If you purchase it through my website, I do receive more of a commission that way. Uh, but it doesn't matter to me. It, you can get a little cheaper through Amazon. I will not be offended. If you purchase it through me, I'll give you a signed copy. It will not be worth more, though. When you go on the Antique Roadshow, the, the signature will not add value <laughs> to the book. But again, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. I'm not going through big publishers. I'm just trying to do this on my own. I want to get the word out. You're the one who makes the difference. It's amazing what happens when advocates carry the message. I'm dependent upon you. I really am. And you sharing this with a Bible study, you sharing this with a pastor, you sharing this with friends, it's huge. And so for me, what's most important is to get the book in the hands of a fellow Christian, someone who's been hurt by the church, a pastor, a friend. However you do that, I'd love that. And I'm not ashamed to promote that. It's because I wrote this because I, I care. I care about this. And the goal of this ministry is that Basically, any money that comes in, the goal of it is to continue the ministry, to be able to do other things that I want to do in this ministry. It's just to kind of perpetuate this. So the goal isn't, uh, you know, it's not a hot tub fund, okay? Or excuse me, a baptismal fund. It's not, it's not that. It's uh, The goal is just to try to perpetuate. I think there needs to be a better dialogue out there. There's a lot of other shows I want to do beyond this book. Once we get through the chapters of this book, we'll be talking about all sorts of things in our culture. But again, here you go. I just love it if you could join me in this. I don't want to call it a crusade because crusades usually mean something terrible has happened, but it is a movement where we're trying to facilitate a better dialogue. So you can go to fairlyspiritual.org. You can purchase the book, The Community of God. You can uh, promote the podcast, The Fairly Spiritual Show. Just interact in whatever way you can. I'd love it. It really does matter. You can make a difference. If you feel like this world is like, ah, what am I going to do? Uh, the wicked are winning, you get tired of the news, you get tired of the spirit that you see out there, you can make a radical difference. You are the one who makes a difference in this ministry, uh, continuing to reach people. It's you. It is. It's not thousands of people. There's just a handful of people right now. There's just a few hundred people who are actively engaged in what we're doing. And so you can have a tremendous impact. And so I would love it if you could join me in this. Just pray, ask the Lord what he wants you to do and I'll be appreciative of anything. Just the fact that you're listening is so appreciated. Okay, so today I want to talk about two images that are pretty powerful in the scripture, and they're both images related to community and to the church. Um, there's more images that the Bible uses about the church, but I'm just going to focus in on these two because they're so rich when it comes to why we need community, why we can't just kind of hang out on our own and have our God time you know, just kind of contemplative, and I'll read my scripture, and I'll spend time with me and God. Yes, we can be with God. Yes, in the middle of a whale in the bottom of the sea, like Jonah, God can speak to us. But the reality is, we were created for community. 
And one of the images that Scripture uses to talk about the importance of community is the Apostle Paul mentions many times that we are the body of Christ. He calls the church the body of Christ. And I think that's more than just kind of a nice um, illustration. Like, hey, you know, how would you describe the church? Eh, Maybe it's like the body of Christ. I believe that Paul, through the Holy Spirit, believes, or believed, actually believes this now because he's in heaven, he believes that the church is the body of Christ. The expression of Christ on earth, the fullness of Christ on earth, is the gathered church. And Paul uses this term in Romans 12, 38, in 1 Corinthians 12, in Ephesians 4, 1 through 16, and he teaches on how the church should interact, how we should treat one another, based on this foundational principle. We're supposed to value different giftings, we're supposed to value the different ways people express their giftings in the church, because we are the body of Christ. If we truly are the body of Christ, as Scripture says, There's a lot of implications in that, and one of the biggest implications is this. As a Christian, I cannot fully understand or fully express Christ outside of Christ-centered community. I can only express a part of Christ. I can't fully express or fully understand or fully be a Christ in the world outside of community. And I'm looking at the book right now. You can hear the wrinkled papers here. Uh, But let me just read something here. So this is Romans 12, 3 through 5. Paul says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. By the way, that could be read to every Christian and every church repeatedly. But he says, not to think more uh, highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. With this admonition, Paul spoke about more than just how to function in a church. And sometimes that's what we'll do. We'll just begin to teach, you know, here's the different giftings and different ways to function. But let me just read here. Paul is talking about something even more powerful. He challenged any work of faith that cuts itself off from the larger body of Christ. Paul reminded every believer that they have been saved and set free to function in an expression of faith that is much larger than themselves. Christ transforms every individual to serve a larger body, the corporate body of Christ. As a result, we understand individual spiritual giftings only in relation to how they function within the larger body of Christ. It's one of my struggles with these gifting tests that you take, uh, where you find out what your personal spiritual gifts are. Personal spiritual gifts have no meaning outside of a larger body. The gifts are to be used for the health of the larger body. So it's not just, well, what's my gift? And And how do I use it? It's how does my gift fit into the bigger expression? The gift doesn't really have meaning outside of the body of Christ. I continue on here and I wrote, By referring to the church as the body of Christ, Paul implies that every believer expresses a part or a limited function of Christ by themselves. No believer can ever be the full expression of Christ on earth. Individually, we never can be more than the hands, feet, or mouth of Christ. Individually, we can never be more than just parts of the body of Christ. 
Only as we gather together can we express and experience the fullness of the body of Christ in our midst. Only in healthy community, we, quote, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Paul reminds us that that is one of the reasons we need to be Spirit-led and have the fullness of the Spirit in our life. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jew or Greek, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. He says we've been given that Spirit so the Spirit could baptize us into that one body. And it's, it's far more than symbolic, and sadly, so often, that's kind of how we talk about it. We have a once-a-year service or twice-a-year service where we talk about how the churches are all one body or we're one church, and we kind of go off and do our own things, but we talk about symbolically we, we are one body. The reality is the church is the fullness of Christ in our midst, and we cannot see the fullness of Christ outside of Christians, individual Christians gathering together. That's why we gather together, because there's a, there's a larger expression, and you see this happen. I've seen this in churches that I, on my own, you know, can experience Christ in powerful ways, and you on your own can experience Christ in powerful ways, but something happens when we begin to pray together. You know, when two or more are gathered in his name, you know, that scripture, or when we begin to gather and, and pray, or we begin to unite and work for the same purpose that's given by God, Suddenly, the two become more than two. Like, I become more than me, and you become more than you, that a larger expression rises up. In fact, you begin to see the hand of God rise up in our midst. That's really what revival is when two or three or four or five or maybe 5,000 people begin to unite together and work for purposes that are bigger than themselves. They begin to care about others. They begin to use the gifts and the talents and the strengths that they have for purposes other than themselves. They begin to see Christ rise up. It, we, you know, one of the sad things I'll see people do is they'll say, well, I just got to get my life figured out, and then I'll get into relationship. But the reality is, if you take the eye from the human body and you separate it from the human body, it doesn't have any function or purpose. It has to be a part of the human body for it to function. And if you separate the arm from the human body and you just say, the arm just says, you know, I'm going to figure myself out before I connect to the body, it's not going to figure itself out. The arm only figures itself out in connection with the body. The legs only figure, I know this is kind of gruesome here, but the leg only figures itself out in connection to the body. All the parts of the body are only understandable within functioning with the body, and yet we so often promote Christianity this way. First, figure out the individual parts. So you as a little hand or arm or mouth or nose or ear, you go off and get yourself right with God, and then you connect to the body. I see Christians do this all the time. You know, I'm just not in a good place, and so I'm going to go get myself figured out, and then I'm going to come back to the body. That's not how the scripture talks about us. It's God always working with the individual and the community. Does he care about the health of the ear and the eye and the nose and the mouth? Yes, but he doesn't deal with the health of the ear and the eye and the nose and the mouth in isolation from the body. He doesn't sever the arm from the body to make the arm healthier. He deals with the arm in connection with the rest of the body. And we like to separate, at least I do. But God always deals with both. 
the individual and the body. Well, let's go on. So that's one of the powerful images uh, that scripture uses. And again, I, I talk a lot more about this in the book, and you could do your own studies on this. It's a powerful image. It's more than just a metaphor. It's why we gather together. It's why you pray with your spouse. It's why you pray with your kids. You have to gather together because I'm stronger when I'm listening to Christ in my children and my children are listening to Christ in me. That's why I need to listen to Christ in my wife and my wife needs to listen to Christ in me. If it's just me in isolation, it's just the eye leading or the nose leading. It's probably for me, I don't know what it, what it is leading. But the reality is, if we're all gathered and we're allowing the giftings to express, there's a better chance of Christ leading us. If I gather in prayer and, and conversation and scripture reading with all my family, and I allow Christ to be expressed in all my family, and I listen for Christ in all my family, I'm going to see Christ in our midst. But if it's me controlling everything and making all my decisions as the head of the house, and I'm just going to be God for everyone, we're not going to see God. We're just going to see one severed arm or one severed leg or probably a big loud mouth who is not connected to the fullness of Christ. So here's another image that the scripture uses. The scripture also uses the term that we as a gathered community are the temple of God. Let me read this to you. This is from page 115 of the community of God. Far more than a building, the temple of God is the community of Christ. Wherever Christians gather, the temple of God is present. Paul strongly warned the Corinthian church to honor the church as the actual temple of God. Quote, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. That's 1 Corinthians 3, 16 through 17. Now, Americans, we read that you part and we immediately think individual. But if you look at the Greek... Is actually the plural form of you. And I really wish the translations would at some level make it plural. I wish we'd make it Southern, like y'all, right? The plural, y'all. So, so it really should read something like this. Paul used the plural in these verses. So a better translation would be, do you not know that you all, or y'all, are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you all, or y'all? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and y'all are that temple. This is such a powerful scripture, because Paul says, I want you to understand there is something amazing that happens when Christians gather together in Christ-centered community. The very presence of Jesus abides. Now, Paul talks about us being individually temples, but he also talks about us collectively being temples, and we're both, right? We, God doesn't leave us when we're by ourselves, but when we gather together, we are also a holy temple where God dwells by his Spirit. And Paul gives that warning. That's why it is so important not to destroy God's temple. This isn't about whether you eat fast food or not. This is about how you deal with the gathered church. And it's amazing. This is one of the warnings in the New Testament. There's not many warnings of the New Testament that say God will destroy you, right? There's not that many. That doesn't sound very New Testament-y, does it? Not, not much, right? But here Paul says, don't you know that y'all are God's temple? And if anyone destroys God's temple, that means if you come in and you destroy a church, God will destroy you. 
that's a pretty powerful warning. What's that a warning? That's, that's saying, you better honor the gathered church. That if you do something to divide the church, if you do something to dishonor the church, now again, I'm not talking about do, do something, you know, to you got to honor wicked men or you got to honor wicked systems. I'm not talking about that because people have used scriptures, you know, yeah, well, you got to honor the church and we'll just continue to be evil because you got to honor this evil practice. I'm not talking about that. But right now in our culture, I've noticed this on social media, one of the quickest things for Christians just to, to quickly hate upon, to quickly make fun of, with, with no reverence, is the church. Just sweeping statements, not, not specific churches like, you know, in my church, there was, you know, spiritual abuse. They're not, I don't hear statements like that. You know, I was raised in spiritual abuse churches, and we need to make sure that in spiritually abused churches that we give people freedom. No, I just hear sweeping statements about all churches, sweeping negative statements about all pastors, sweeping negative statements, just flippantly, bitter, angry. And I know sometimes people are bitter and sometimes people are angry, but Paul gives a warning here and he says, don't you know that the gathered group, when, when the church gathers, that's the temple of the Lord. And anyone who destroys that temple, God will destroy you. I don't say that. Paul says that. So at least we should take note. And by the way, pastors should take note. If they're doing things to destroy the health of a church, if they're controlling and power-hungry and, and, and harming people and sinning against them. And by the way, I have other chapters on spiritual abuse, and we talk about that later, and we'll talk about that in later shows. But this is a big issue. Just the fact where people say, well, you know, I can have it or not have it. Paul says, this is one of the most important things to contend for. And one of the things I see is there's so few people contending for the gathered community. To be honest, I think one of the reasons we don't contend for the gathered community is we just assume it'll be there. Where do you see people contend for the gathered community where it's oppressed, where you can't gather? You, you saw that in China. You see that in China when the churches. Uh, persecuted, when people can't gather, they value the gathered community. But when you think it's just always going to be there, it just becomes something you can complain about. <laughs> if you're going to be beheaded for going to church, you don't complain about whether the drums are too loud. That's not your primary interest. You're not, well, I'm not really getting fed, and I don't really like this, and you, you, you just know it's life and death for the church to gather. If you, if you know you're going to be thrown in jail for... Uh, just gathering in a, in a room and lifting up the name of Jesus, you're going to be careful with how you talk and what's central and what isn't central. But if you don't care and you know it doesn't matter, and it doesn't matter if you go or you don't go, and it doesn't really matter what you say, and it's going to exist regardless, then you're flippant. And in America, we're very flippant because we've been at a table where we can eat whatever we want spiritually, and we have as many options as we want, and we can be dissatisfied, and uh, then if something bad happens, we can break glass in case of emergency and find a pastor to do the funeral or the wedding or whatever. People say, Doug, that's, that's, that's too harsh, it's too cynical. Well, many do that. It's just the reality. I have people who tell me how unimportant the church is, and yet when the tragedies come and the emergencies come, they call me up, and I gladly go to them. But at the same level, the way they talk about the church, the language they use, the way they treat people in the church... Sadly, so many stories of people angry and upset and their choices causing great division, the way they talk about other people, the way they 
treat other people, just disappearing, just having a conflict and never talking to someone, never learning to reconcile, just literally getting mad and never speaking again. Those are all issues that divide and destroy the church. And Paul says, hey, you know, don't you know that the church is the temple of the Most Holy Lord, and if anyone destroys God's church, God will destroy him. So to me, at least, there, there has to be some level of, of respect and honor. Not a people, not, you know, well, we got the whole issue of you got to respect me because I'm the pastor and I have a position, or you have to respect. No, we respect God. And that means even when we correct, and even when we should, we should correct systems that are wrong, and we should challenge oppressive systems. And, but even there, the goal is for the health of the body. See, the reality is, if Christ is in you, you will gather with other Christians. Because Christ wants to gather with his body. I believe that Christ is resurrected and Christ is with us, and the Holy Spirit has been poured out so that we can know the will of Christ and we can know the will of the Father. And, and as you've seen in previous uh, podcasts, and as you're going to hear even more, the kingdom of God is advanced through community. It's not an isolated endeavor. Now, whether it's a traditional expression or not, that's less important to me. But Christ did not minister in isolation. He ministered with a group. He didn't just minister with 12 so he could train some people. He ministered with 12 or even more because it would be sin to minister by himself. It would be wrong. It would have been wrong if he had done things on his own. So he didn't. And the disciples didn't minister on their own. They went off in groups, in, in pairs. And, and when they were isolated, when people had abandoned them, that was sin, that was wrong. So we have to fight, yes, this world, I mean, we have to fight for community, yes. This world's full of a lot of unhealthy systems and full of a lot of unhealthy organizations and full of a lot of unhealthy places. There's a lot of places we should not be and you should run away from, and yes, and amen, you should not be at that place and you should confront the wickedness that's there. But the church, the church as in the true church that God sees, exists right now. There is a church on earth right now, and Christ wants us to participate in it. That church never shuts down. There is a church right now that is actively engaging the forces of darkness. Right now, there is a church that is actively advancing the kingdom of God. And it's not a bunch of individuals in isolation doing their own things. And we, by faith, Try to participate with others and gather together and figure out a way to advance the purposes of God led by the Holy Spirit together in community as the body of Christ and as the temple of the Most Holy Lord where God dwells by His Spirit. And if there's no expression of that right now, if there's no expression in our community that has that, then we have to facilitate new expressions of it. But there's no place there's just no place in Scripture where it just says, well, just we just stop doing that. It's the same thing with giving. Like, I, you know, okay, I get it. There's churches not to give to, but there's somewhere to give. There's somewhere to give. There's, there's never been a season in my life where I stopped giving to advance the kingdom. 
There, there just could be no excuse. I could, well, I went to a church and they were rude and mean. Okay, well then pray and the Lord will show you where to give. But there, the kingdom of God is always advancing. How could I ever withhold my first fruits from God? How could I do that? And then Christ is in me and Christ is like, Doug, I have eyes for you to see and I have ears for you to hear and I have people for you to gather with. And once you open your heart to community, God gives you people to be with. And do you agree with everything? No, you don't. And do they annoy you? You bet. And are there seasons where you have to part ways? Yes, even the scripture has that. Paul and Barnabas, and I'm going to do a whole show about Paul and Barnabas. There are ways where they unite and then they part ways because I think they annoy each other. But it doesn't mean you don't gather. So God is going to call you to gather with a body, an expression of the body of Christ, or gather with an expression that's the temple of God. It might be you and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas, uh, Mary and Martha, I don't know what it'll be, and you'll gather for a season, and the kingdom of God will advance through you, and the purposes of God will occur, and then a conflict will occur, and you'll have to part ways. But you're not going to stop being the church. You'll just gather with someone else, and you'll be as positive as you can with the people that have come before, and you'll find a way that that narrative still continues, that, that the previous story is still in the book of Acts, and the next story is still in the book of Acts. We have a better way to be able to express the fullness of God than in isolation. You say, hey, Doug, you're meddling now. Well, maybe a little bit. But I want to encourage you. There are so many ways that we can grow in community. I, I, for me, there's so many ways. Man, I want to run and hide so often. But God says, Doug, you know, the body is my fullness. So if you want to know my fullness, you're not going to find it in isolation and contemplation. You're going to find it by hanging out with other people, loving them and letting them love you. And when we gather together and you lift up the name of Jesus, that's the temple where I dwell. So be careful in how you talk about the church. And even if you don't understand what's going on and you're getting annoyed with what's going on and people are being weird around you, Doug, be careful because this is a sacred place and I dwell here. So be careful with how you talk because the last thing you want to be is in a position where you're destroying things and dividing things that I dearly love. Okay. Hope that's okay with you. Hope that wasn't too strong. Uh, if there's something I ever say that you disagree with, I'm glad because we don't have to be the same on everything, right? Uh, the fullness of the body of Christ means we don't all have to be the same parts. We don't all have to see things the same way. Okay. Hey, uh, I love the fact that you guys listen. I appreciate it so much. I'd love it if you could help out, uh, support this through just saying, hey, listen to the podcast. Listen to the Fairly Spiritual Show. Subscribe. You can go to fairlyspiritual.org to find out more information. Subscribe on iTunes. Obviously, I'd love it if you could buy the book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church, from a Reluctant Pastor. And this theme song is by my brother, Dan Bursch. Uh, give him some love. You can check out his songs on iTunes. All right, make room for the Lord. I will see you next time. They say that I cannot do what you've called me to. It is not possible unattainable I will never see it through but you've spoken by your word your Holy Spirit's leading me you are my only one you're the only one worth living for so I'm
dreams we 